in all seriousness, though, today. Two weeks ago, I had a homily prepared, which was altered in light of all the things happening with Cardinal McCarrick. Today, I had other ideas for a homily, which I confess may have to be given on another day in light of the things happening this week. I don't know that I've, and I don't know what your experience is with all of these things happening in the church. And I could probably understand just about any emotion that you might have. I feel like I've had all of them myself, but I don't know that I've been one to vacillate from such profound sadness to such intense anger within rather short periods of time. There's the temptation, I believe, for us as church, and when I speak of church right now, I'm speaking institutionally. Please don't hear that as being an exhaustive definition of church. But I think there can be the initial temptation for us to kind of look back and say, well, you know, we read reports and those reports are historic. Some of them date back to the 40s. And the overwhelming majority of them really pretty much changed tone in the early 2000s when a lot of reforms took place. That can be one temptation, almost let's congratulate ourselves on what we've done, how we've made some reforms. And that's not untrue. There's another temptation, and that is to get consumed in despair, anger, disgust. And I can't say that that's wrong either. Because if you read that report out of Pennsylvania, there's a lot to be sad about, a lot to be angry about, a lot to be disgusted about. There's a third temptation. It's to make it all about me, all about us. It can't be about me and about you. First and foremost, we have to make this about victims. Victims who were robbed of their innocence, had their childhood shattered. And at least for a period of time in recent church history, were met with little more than silence. Today, I traveled to the first parish I served as a priest to baptize the child of a woman who I knew from the time she was maybe nine or ten years old. 
And under normal circumstances, that would have been like this great celebration or leaping, feeling like my heart was leaping for joy. And yet as a priest, I never felt like I had a heavier heart on that hour and 15 minute drive. Now I remember asking God to take that feeling away. Let me share in their joy. And all I kept getting back was, you need to feel this. You need to feel this. The church needs to feel the sadness, the pain, the anguish, and even the anger. Because when we feel it, maybe we can start, maybe not completely, but start to understand what those others have been feeling for years. And sadly, there may be some here who know those feelings all too well. We have some beautiful readings, dear friends, these last couple of weeks. As a matter of fact, the sixth chapter of John is one I go back to time and again when people ask me why I'm Catholic. Because it convinces me that Jesus meant what he said when he spoke of eating his flesh and drinking his blood, that he would be the bread that would come down from heaven, that it would be he who would sustain us, who would nourish us, who would be our sustenance. And we need him now more than ever. We can't confront any of this with a sense of despair and hopelessness but we need to mourn with those who mourn. To weep with those who weep. And to be angry with those who are angry. Because our very credibility as the body of Christ depends on it. Yes, if Satan wants to destroy the church... There's no more effective plan than to do it from the inside out. And if we don't treat the cancer, remove it, that healing, that restoration, that reparation will never be complete. What did Jesus tell those people that got them grumbling in the gospel today? I'm giving you my flesh to eat. And the crowd started murmuring. You'll hear it more intensified next week. How can he do this? This doesn't make sense. 
And he just keeps repeating himself. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, have life within you. It's about what we take in. We consume him in the very act of Holy Communion. And I'd put to you today that we need to be making the attention of our masses, our communions, for those victims. And not only do we need to allow ourselves to consume His flesh, His blood in the Holy Eucharist, we need to allow the Lord to consume us, to consume our sin, to consume our negligence. And dear friends, we need to be ready to call each other to accountability in this. And the first thing that I think the lay faithful need to do is to not put the collar on a pedestal. It doesn't serve the gospel. It doesn't serve the church. It doesn't serve a credible witness. We cannot be viewed as little kings or princes. If priests and bishops can't see themselves, if we can't get it back into our consciousness that we're servants, we should step aside. My brothers and sisters, you need to be the ones. And I know it sounds like I'm passing the buck, but you need to be the ones to be the voice to call our church to purification. I'll tell you who my heroes are today. And the ones that will be the tomorrow. First and foremost, it's those victims who've clung to their faith. Who've allowed God to heal. But at the same time, have given voice and never given up on seeking justice. The second hero and reason for my hope are our younger priests and seminarians who've put themselves out there in a climate that is not always going to be supportive. And the other heroes are those of you who will not let this go. That will commit to praying. Not that we can return to business as usual. But that we can return to the business 
of the gospel, of being agents of healing, restoration, renewal. I still believe with my whole heart that God wants to do a mighty work in his church. But if we don't address these issues with more than words, it's like we're just going to keep running into the same walls and embracing the same delusions and encouraging the same bad attitudes and practices. When we as a church are insular and worried about our own preservation, that is poison. That is cancer. And that's what allowed that to go on through a couple of generations that we're aware of. And it's got to stop now. Don't get me wrong. Our faith is a precious commodity. The greatest treasure that I think any of us can hope for. But when we allow faith to be weaponized, used as an ingredient in manipulation, it becomes toxic. No more. We can't let that happen anymore. We need to mourn. Because there are people who are mourning. We need to weep. Because there are people who are weeping. And we need to be angry. Because there are people who are angry. I'd be willing to bet that all three of those categories are referenced represented at this Mass tonight. And the fact that you're even here today speaks volumes. I want you to know you've got my ear or my email. On Monday I'll be away on retreat when I get back, if you need to talk, if you need to yell, if you need to cry, know it's okay. Just please let me know what I can do. Because I know right now, I'm not sure. this week, let's pray about how we can move forward and create a path, but to move forward without turning a blind eye on the past.
God bless you all and thank you for your prayers.